It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we're joined by Ebony. Ebony, whereabouts are you? I'm in Colchester, Essex. That's so funny. What's that? Not funny, but the lady, the bereavement midwife who we've just been on a call with um, is based at Colchester Hospital. How funny. Well, yeah. Strange. Small world. Small world. Small world. Blimey. So, Ebony, let's... um, Let's start at the very beginning. Yes. A very good place to Well, start. you know what? I'm in a pantomime at the moment and I'm the fairy godmother and that is literally one of my lines. Really? I'd like to start, I'd like to start at the very beginning. I'm told a very good place to start. <laughs> Cinderella lost her beloved father, which broke the poor girl's heart. Oh, do you have to see any Let's get down to business. That's one of my lines. Did you write I the play? No, I promise it's one of my lines. It says, anyway... <laughs> Let's get down to business. We haven't much time. It's the transformation scene. It's, it's, it makes it a breeze to remember. Yeah. Do you have any, any passionate rants in there? No, no passionate rants. That's a shame. You I can do it with baby loss either. <laughs> no, it's Sorry, Ebony. <laughs> Start from the very beginning. Tell yeah. us how you became um, a member of this glorious but shitty gang. Yeah, so November 2019, um, we decided to start trying. And the week we decided to start trying, I actually got a letter to say that I had high um, precancerous cells come back on my smear test. Oh, okay. So that was like a whirlwind, not expected. Um, And I thought, okay, let's be sensible. Let's get this sorted and then we'll try again. So moving to February, um, started trying, got pregnant first month. Brilliant. Wow. Amazing. Um, went for an early scan just because. Didn't assume at all that anything would be wrong. And it wasn't in that one. Um, we went for another early scan two weeks later. Uh, no feeling that there would be anything wrong, but I, we just wanted another scan. Um, and we got told that we'd had a mis- miscarriage. And I was like, I've never even heard of a mis- miscarriage before. Um, I was like, I still feel really sick. I've had no bleeding. Um, it was just when lockdown started as well. So um, we got referred to the hospital. They basically told me at the time just to kind of sit and wait it out. So I had no idea. So I just assumed that's what you do. Um, and then it got to a point I thought mentally I can't just sit and wait this out. It feels so wrong. Um, so I went back and had medical management, which unfortunately for me didn't work and was just horrendous, to be honest. Um, I then went back and had a DNC, which they really didn't want. But I'm guessing because of COVID, they were trying to keep people out of hospitals. Um, this was all whilst having to go in and be on my own. Mm-hmm. Um so we went through that and then I decided to do as much research as I could because I was determined not to have another loss, which I know it's quite common, but I just thought I can't go through that again. Um, 
and we saw an acupuncturist we improved our diet which wasn't horrendous anyway but we did everything possible I listened Mm -hmm. to every podcast going um we had another loss the first month of trying again Um, and that was exactly the same we went for a scan and got told that there was no heartbeat um and then at that point I decided to do even more research um and I saw Alison Hall nutritionist Oh, Alison, the mermaid. Amazing. Yeah, really good. And actually not just what she was informing us, but just mentally really supportive as well. Um, and we did some more testing and Joe got tested and I thought, brilliant, we've like crossed everything off here. Um, I had issues with my thyroid, iron, and I thought, okay, definitely that's it. Um, at that point, I thought, something in me my mum lost five babies and I thought to myself I wonder if I'm going down the same route obviously 20 30 years ago they didn't do testing so she doesn't know why um so I decided that I wanted to go to CRP clinic which everyone was saying to me you know you're getting pregnant really quickly that's really good you've only had two losses And I just thought, no, I just want to pour everything into this. I don't want this to go on years and years. Yeah. So CRP clinic is Professor Shihata's clinic. Yes. Yeah. Um, So we went to see him and he was really positive. He was like, you're probably one of the youngest that has come here. You've only had two losses so far. Most people are three plus. Um, And he was really positive that we would get to the bottom of what was wrong. And after researching what he does, I was convinced that's what the issue was. Um, so we had some testing. I had to have two hysteropathies yes. um, because I had scarring from my DNCs. I had to have two of those and pay privately. Blimey. Um, that was uh, a sarcastic thumbs up, by the way, for those <laughs> who wondered what the pause was. Um, yeah, so I had that and then we decided to everything looked okay um I went on the immune protocol for natural killer cells um and we started were you, to, sorry um, Ebony were your natural killer cells high was that one of the right yeah, yeah really high was uh, anything else flagged up or was it just the NK cells just that so we thought okay well this immune protocol should work um, started to try again, bearing in mind that every, like the last two times we got pregnant the first month of trying, um, we kind of thought that would happen quite quickly. So six months on, nothing had happened. Um, we decided to try superovulation. Um, and so during- superovulation, for people who, who don't know what that is, you take some drugs, mm. um, the prescribed drugs, not just any random ones, and... Um, Basically, that one, Laura. <laughs> it gets your ovaries ready and develops, has gets the most amount of eggs possible ready to be uh, let loose. And yeah. then you take a trigger shot, which releases the eggs, and they tell you what days to shag. Mm. Yeah. Literally, they prescribe your shags. Yeah. Make, making love sessions. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure, as if there wasn't already enough pressure. Yeah. So we had, uh, so they basically told us that three to six months is usually the most successful. Um, Obviously, this is very 
expensive it's time consuming and like you say it's very scheduled um joe with his work is sometimes away or working late so it was quite mentally straining as well um but in my head i thought well if it doesn't work the first month we've kind of got some time so anyway we we just had no success every month i either was overstimulated so i couldn't trigger and because of the risk of triplets um i either didn't ovulate i ovulated before or after so it just wasn't working for us so we said we'll do six months and on the sixth month they said um you haven't ovulated so i was like oh well i was just in absolute bits i was in the office in tears they are incredible there the nurses were all in cuddling and saying it will happen and for us we've just like spent everything we've got every moment of the day I was researching during COVID I wasn't going out because I was like I don't want to get COVID because that's another thing against me um and yeah it just took over for three years basically mm. but uh so that month we went home we said let's just have a break for a month um let's just eat what we want drink what we want anyway when my period was due, I was always a little bit early or late. So I just thought, well, I'm going to test because it's just built in me to test. And it come up positive. And I literally had a panic attack. I ran into Joe and I was like, I'm not prepared. We haven't been taking the medication. We've been eating what we want, drinking what we want. This is all going to go wrong. And he was like, look, we've been here before. Let's just prepare for the worst and we'll go in and see. So I called the clinic and they was like, you can't I said I am it's positive and they said send a picture of your test so I sent a picture and they said you need to come in tomorrow because you need to have um an intralipid um so yeah I went in but for until my first scan I was just bleeding and I just thought we're going down the same route again and I felt like we had done everything possible so where was there to go from here so we went to our first scan and like I was an absolute mess in the car. It was about a two hour journey for us. And they said to us, um, there's good and bad news. And I was like, right, we'll have the good news first. They said, there's a heartbeat. So I was just like, well, I just don't know how that's possible. I've been bleeding so much. And they said, the bad news is there's a twin who hasn't got a heartbeat. And I was just like, it's just so hard to process. This is amazing. But we've been here before. To me, a good scan means nothing. Yeah. Um, and obviously we have lost another baby. Um, so that obviously you go every two weeks for your scans. And during that time I was bleeding a lot. And um one nurse in particular there was incredible. She was calling me every other day and she was like, you know, just keep positive. Um and every scan her name. Um she's she's left. Oh, that's a shame. Jerry was my favourite. Jerry's incredible. Yeah, she's brilliant. <laughs> so good, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so so we went back every scan and every scan was good news. But we were still, like, driving home. Like, let's not get too high. Could all come crashing down again. We've been here before. You go to that clinic, you see so many women and you think they've been here before. And for us... Fortunately, I've got a nearly five-month-old, so it did end well. Um, 
But that last month we went for super ovulation, they actually called me and said, this is not working. You need to move to IVF. And I was like, I can't afford IVF. I've spent every penny I've got. How can we afford IVF? And then we kind of just said, look, if we've got a remortgage, we'll do it. We've come this far. We've just got to keep going. And I've just done so much research. And that's why I'm so passionate about coming on here. Because to me, to advocate for yourself, to do the research, to listen to what you can listen, is just so important. Because I did also go down the NHS route at the same time. And they said that there was nothing wrong. Um, And I knew there was because I'd been having testing. So... It is heartbreaking that you can hear that. And I could have just said, okay, I'll just keep trying then. And we, I'm, I'm sure we never would have got where we are now without that. Mm. I can completely 100% relate to you because this is why, this is why like we're here really, because I was just so astounded by the amount of times I was fobbed off with the NHS and I remember thinking what if someone out there is going through what I'm going through and doesn't know where to go or what research to do or what questions to ask they're just going to keep trying keep having more losses probably give up and not have a child and it you know lead them into depression and despair and grief and and that's not fair. Everyone should know what's out there and should be able to have the confidence to fight for yeah. themselves. Yeah. It's why it's essentially it's why we've started um we we've partnered with well, not partnered in a you know business sense, but we've started um talking about plan your baby because they are so nurturing, aren't they? Because they take you and it doesn't, it's not it, it, I think for so many people it's either fall pregnant actually or have IVF they're the only two options you think about and actually you have to do the groundwork yourself to link those two up with all the other things that could could happen and it is difficult when you go to a doctor who's faced with who's who's got like years and years and years and years and years of experience behind them and a gynecologist you trust what they say don't you so you don't like I I definitely had I been in this situation I definitely wouldn't have looked outside of what I was being told by a a fully trained gynecologist I would just go oh okay IVF's my option yeah exactly and I think that there was a point during that time I thought shall we just move to IVF but actually IVF wouldn't have solved our issue Mm -hmm. because there was a underlying issue that needed support so I, I remember like the amount of research I'd done and I just felt so lonely because people would say to me you'll get there one day and to me I was like I can't see that Mm. and I can't keep living like this every month I need to do something about it and I need to feel like we're getting that little bit closer and Joe I mean he he's so positive in everyday life anyway but every month I'd come back and be like oh I can't believe it's another negative and he'd be like it's okay next month it'll be a positive but when you are living that, like he used to come home from work and I used to literally be sitting in the dark in tears and he'd say to me, what's wrong? And I'd just be like, I'm just so desperate. And then we would sit together and read more information and I'd be like, okay, fine, I need to take that supplement. And I know that maybe all of that didn't make a difference at all, but I really think that 
if you feel like you're doing everything it does mentally help yeah there's nothing worse than just uh, just doing nothing like coming away from an appointment with no no plan except just keep going well it didn't work last time it's unlikely to work this time people used to say to me all the time why don't you just do IVF yeah what do IVF to get pregnant which I can clearly do very well (laughs) and then what spend all that money and then I just feel so sorry for people who go for IVF not having had other testing done um because IVF just gets you pregnant doesn't it that's well on on a good round yeah but also to say to just do IVF it's a lot more than just doing IVF like it's not Mm. an easy way out and like, there's no education around it though there's no education around fertility around loss around you know what happens if you don't get if you don't get pregnant naturally you know where do you go what do you do there's a huge huge gap in that relevant helpful resource-based information because it isn't just to it isn't just fall pregnant naturally or or have IVF and and as you've both said like you've both got you've got really similar experiences in in terms of immunology and recurrent miscarriage and stuff and there are you guys know how much there is out there that can help you if your problem is not is is not in the getting pregnant but generally speaking people don't know that and that's why it's so important to have the um have the resources available to to do that research but not have to do what you did Ebony and and what you did Laura and and really fight to search for them and fight to be heard and fight to be understood and you know this stuff should should be easily accessible for everyone who needs it yeah I agree it's really tough and it's really um it's just well it's exhausting yeah and mentally completely emotionally and mentally uh, draining and so so detrimental to your to your overall well-being and and if these this stuff was easily accessible you would arrive at your at your destination of of having a baby or or being pregnant or deciding to end your fertility, you'd arrive there in such a better state than you do when you have to, when you have to fight for yourself constantly or you're pushed from pillar to post or you're ignored or you're dismissed or you're laughed at like Laura was at at one point, you know, you, it, it wears away at you and it breaks your soul to the point where once you're there, you, you have all these other issues as well as, as not being able to get pregnant or not being able to, to carry a baby and and I just think that's such a shame like if we can if we can minimize that level if we can minimize the emotional mental health aspect of this whole process then then women will have more resilience to keep going when they need to there she is with a passionate yeah. run I, and I knew we'd get one yeah <laughs> like the, uh, the day that I had my daughter when I went in I said can I listen to the heartbeat and they was like yeah why's that I said I've just got a feeling there's something wrong and like every point in my pregnancy, I just felt like I couldn't celebrate because it's possible there could be something wrong. And it is crazy. Like once you've had one loss and actually know what comes with that, like when people tell me they're pregnant, I'm like, oh, that's really good. But back of my head, I think they could lose that. Because mm-hmm. it, just, it just makes you open your eyes to all that's involved. And it is, well, it's a miracle, isn't it, really? It is a miracle. And I think it's that that what you just talked about is exacerbated by because I had a mis- miscarriage as well. And I think it's having ha- having a mis well, Laura did too, but having a mis- miscarriage adds that whole uh, like a, a huge another level of anxiety to a scan. 
Definitely. Because you know that because your baby has died inside you without you knowing before. So therefore it can happen again. So therefore, you know, a scan is not just before I'd experienced loss, I, a, a scan was like only going to be a happy event. It was just to check on your baby. It was just to have a little look at what was going on in there. And get then, the picture, after, right? yeah, just to get the picture and prepare the social media posts, right? Exactly. Ours was, I went to, um, we wanted to get a scan for Father's Day and I'd already ordered the cards and everything. Yeah. And then I was just, I just could not believe. And you just don't hear of missed miscarriages, do you? Like you don't, you know about miscarriages, but you don't assume that, how can you lose a baby without actually feeling like you've lost a baby and actually I think it was about seven weeks in the end I waited for that first D and C and I just felt disgusted I was just like I just need this to end I can't there is a dead baby inside me there's no sugarcoat in that mm. and the fact that I was expected to wait that long but actually after having my first one that second one I went in I said I do not want me- medical um management I want a DNC and that they was like well really I said no I just want a DNC. I need this over with. And actually, it maybe wasn't the best route because I ended up needing extra surgery. But at the time, for me, that was the best. And I, I think that's another thing as well. You sometimes feel like you're not listened to, but actually, they should realise you're the one that is feeling the sadness and knows what is best for your body. So, the warriorship. We wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is thriving and all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too we'd love to see you there it's so difficult to know what like in that moment like what is best as well because I can remember having the same like they I mine was in May 2020 so it was it was during the pandemic like that initial like fuck no one knows what they're doing pandemic stage and my medical management didn't work either but because I'd I'd already had children I remember them saying to me well um how long was your last labor and it was really quick and they were like oh yeah medical management will be your quickest option and I was like I just want to oh you know I had kids at home I didn't have any childcare because it was covid like I couldn't see my husband because of covid I couldn't have him there you know I mean you know all this but I was then in there for I was in hospital for five days because the medical management didn't work and they were like, you're just going to have to go home. And I was like, right. So I went home. And then a day or so later, uh, it was, you know, it started naturally, but it was like way more than anything I could deal with by myself. So I had to go back. And then there was complications. And then I had to have a DNC. And then I got home. And then the pregnancy test was positive. And then I had to go back. And it was just like this, this like weeks 
of having physical problems that then completely prevented me from being able to deal with things on an emotional level. And to, in the in the sort of in the in the you know COVID shit as well, you just it fucks you up so much yeah. because you yeah. don't. Not know just the heavy period, guys. No. Not just the heavy period, and all to, all the time, like. I was told, oh, medical management, yeah, that will work for you. And it didn't work. And then, oh, you'll get a negative pregnancy test because we've done a DNC. So you get a negative pregnancy test, you know, we've got it all. And then I had a positive pregnancy test. And you're like, fuck, this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, yeah. this fucking shit was supposed to happen. What's wrong with my body? Why are all these people who have fucking seven years worth of medical training and, and however much experience, why are they all telling me stuff that doesn't fucking happen? Yeah. You lose faith. You lose faith in your body, yourself, the world, the medical profession. And you're just like, fucking hell, I don't know. I don't I don't know anything about my life. I don't know. What is being a woman anyway? Fuck this shit. Passionate <laughs> rant number two. But it just <laughs> I just hate the fact that for so many women, they are not told the whole story. They're not told this might not actually happen. This might not actually work. And therefore, it fucks them up in the head more. And they end up with more baggage. There's the, the ramifications and ripples of this one experience are so much far-reaching and, and stronger and more painful than anyone gives them credit for. And it just it gets my goat. <laughs> As well, you're just left to, after you've had that, you're just left to then get on with life. And yeah. I'm probably the one in a million that actually liked the fact that we had lockdown because I could just hide away from the world yeah yeah and even like at work I work from home I never put my face on when we had a zoom and actually I was really depressed but it was easy to hide I was depressed because I never had to do anything and then mm. actually when we come out of the whole lockdown I was like well I can't get covid because if I get covid and I'm pregnant then I'm going to lose another baby so like we was extreme to the point that I was wearing like two masks when no one was wearing a mask because I was just so determined for no- nothing else to go wrong, even though I wasn't pregnant. Like it just completely threw everything I thought. Mm. I think that even like when you, you do go to the hospital, and like you say, you get given a bit of paper, this will happen, this will happen, and it doesn't happen. Yeah, and then it just gives you more, it completely backs up your fears that there's something wrong with you yeah and my body can't even process a loss properly yeah what the hell's wrong with me how what what, you know and then and then when when I'm sure you found through your subsequent pregnancy like you're just constantly like well yeah okay I'm pregnant today but you know my body did that before and didn't recognize it before and and every scan you have is reassuring until the next day and then you're like well anything could have happened now yeah and we had like a really in-depth scan that shows everything possible. And even that, I just, that just didn't reassure me. So, Ebony, can I ask about um, the twin? Yeah. So what happened? Did your body reabsorb it? How early was or so Our first scan at six weeks, there was no heartbeat, but you could see the twin. Um, and it was identical. And they did say, because this was another thing, they said, um, hopefully there'll be no impact on the one with the heartbeat. And then I'm like, what? How is that possible? But luckily, I guess, for us, there was no impact and it does just reabsorb. Um, But even now, like I I said to Joe yesterday, 
Um, I had Hallie in the back of the car asleep and I sometimes look in the other mirror and think there could be another one there. And I'm mm. really, really grateful we have her. Like it is a, even the clinic, like we just, we don't know how you got pregnant that month. You didn't ovulate. And I was like, well, I must have done. But even now I look back and I think it's quite hard to process because although I was really happy that I had a positive test, I've still lost another baby. And it's still, it's identical yeah. to her. So is so that know what the baby would have looked like? Yeah. But how, do you think you'll share, uh, will you tell Hallie about her sister? Yeah, I think so. I think I will. I think it's really important. So like my mum was obviously really honest with me about losing five babies. She lost them quite late on. Um, and then was obviously really... Did she sp- tell you before that you lost? Yeah yeah um so she was obviously really supportive because she's been through what I've been through and when I was doing the research she was like I think you're amazing for knowing all of this and I was Mm. like I guess it wasn't available when you you just assume that's it and you've lost babies but then she had two really healthy so who knows what the issue was there but I do think I think it's really important I will never not tell people what we've been through because I think it's so important and actually a random man the other day at work come up to me and said, um, oh, I've heard about what you've been through. We've been through that. And I was yeah. like, all oh, right, we've not even said hello to each other before and we're talking, but I just think it's so important. And <laughs> Joe was going to work, like didn't have a break off work and he was just going in and just pretending everything was fine. And I said, you need to share what's happened because it's not fine. It's okay to not be okay as well. Mm. Um, so he did the same. He ended up telling people, partly because... He'd be talking to people and be stand, like standing back because he didn't want to get COVID. Um, but again, I think it's, there's nothing to not, why would you not tell people? I think it's so important. And the whole 12 week thing, people recently that I know have got pregnant and said they didn't want to share until 12 weeks. I do get it. But I also think if something went wrong, you would share it. So why not share it from the start? Mm. Yeah, it's a tough call, isn't it, the 12-week one? I think I think it's obviously along with everything else, it's down to the individual to decide what they feel comfortable with. But I, th- I found it really hard to tell, pe- to, un- to tell people and then immediately have to untell them, <clears throat> you know, like, oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I really need help with my children and I need you to break the rules of COVID because I am in hospital because I was pregnant, but now I'm not pregnant. You know, it just felt like another added, like, head fuck. Also, people say to me, is this your first child? Yeah, yeah, that's tough, isn't it? And I'm like, well, it's my first child that's made it this far. (laughs) Yeah. It's not my first child. I've been pregnant before, but obviously she's the first that I brought home, so... When, When I was pregnant, people used to say to me, so is this your first? And I used to say... Hopefully, hopefully it will be. But, you know, there's have lost seven before this. So, you know, we'll see. Yes, that's hard. That's really horrible. Because, you don't. we've spoken to women as well who have lost babies and then gone on to have a successful pregnancy. And then people in social situations <clears throat> say things like, Oh, have you just, is this, is, you know, is this your only one or, you know, and they don't, because it's in a cafe or whatever, they then say, oh yeah, this is, this is my only child or or whatever they say, yeah, I've just got two or whatever it is. 
And then they feel horribly guilty because they feel like they denied the existence of their baby that they lost. But then even that is like social situations do make a difference in what we decide to divulge about our personal lives. Right. So it's any given day. Like if maybe if you're in a a quieter place or, or it was a, you know, a a children's um, play group or something where you had a bit more time to chat, then, then maybe you could divulge that information. Maybe you'd feel comfortable, but, I just think that I, I feel so sorry for women who then feel the guilt of not not divulging that um, and they carry that with them because I just think all situations are different and, and what is right for you in that moment is right for you, full stop, and it's not the denial of what's happened before. It's just the 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 ability and the need to exist in that moment and at that time peacefully, and that's that's fine. That's, that's good. Go on, Ebony. Laura. I wanted to ask you if if you don't mind me asking you about um any future baby plans. That's what what that my last question was. Oh. Well, this is the thing. At the time, after all we've been through and financially as well, I felt like I couldn't put us through this again and I don't think it's fair on Hallie because of financially, mentally, the time so I was like, I'm okay with just having one. And now I've had her, I'm like, I really want to bring her a brother or sister. But also it's that potentially going through the same thing again. And ca- can we do that? Um, yeah. so it's quite difficult because obviously like, it doesn't necessarily mean we'd have the same issue, but it's a lot. It's not just well, we might just have a miscarriage. It's not just that, especially because I do have missed miscarriages. Um, so there's the surgical side of it as well, because even that, I'd never had surgery before. So I was just like, I'm being put to sleep. Mm. Like, it's not just surgery, is it? But I'm going to say we hope, but if we don't, we're really lucky because there are people that aren't as lucky as what we've been. Yeah. 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 I really thought that we'd cracked it mm. when I had my eldest. I thought, well, that's it. We know the, we know the answer. I know what drugs to take, and it will be easy next time. And um, and it wasn't. And 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 you say like financially, we've absolutely scuppered ourselves. Yeah. This time, so you know, my youngest cost us an awful lot of money, and um, and now we're like. You know, you said, you know, financially, is it fair on on Hallie? Um, that that's how I feel about about Bertie. I feel like, oh no, he he, we can't go on holiday because you've got a little brother, and we've got to pay back the money that we've spent to yeah. get him. Um, it's really hard. But I had come to terms with just having one, um, and my husband said, "Come on, one more time, let's let's try it." Mm. Um, and then and and it worked which is you know amazing and but now I'm like no that's that's definitely it that's definitely it we can't we actually can't afford to do it again so it makes me really envious of people who just have sex and get pregnant because I, I would have another one if I could you know that's that's the thing as well like we were spending money like water like it, it just become a bit of a oh can I have a thousand pound please yeah, yeah okay and you just think like we don't actually have this to be spending, but you just have to keep going. And like we got engaged, and then people are like, oh, "When are you getting married?" And I'm like, uh, "We've actually spent all our money." <laughs> but it is just so hard because it 
every month I was sacrificing certain things to pay for medication. But if you don't do that, you're never going to get to this end. So, um, yeah, we, we say hopefully, but at the same time, I can't, I want to be able to live a little as well because we spent three years of our life mm. not being able to do certain things um, because of it. So I think it's quite difficult to have to do that again. You want to, like, <clears throat> Hallie's only, what, five months old. You want to enjoy that without the added pressure of the TTC and the and the appointments and the it's so and as well like thinking you've got to take all those drugs and going to appointments it, it's really nice to not have that on your head but at the same time I do I do think deep down I did want to mm. and at the time I'm, I'm okay with having one but it is it's another added thing isn't it you're still sad because you've not got what you wanted and what other people like you say get so easily people fall pregnant like that and that's it okay we um we started trying for a second when Bertie was five months old that we went back to see Shihata I took him with me and we started taking the meds at five months and although I uh, the the plan the dream was to have them close together um and ideally to not go through any more losses I'm happy with how it panned out because I feel like we made the most of Bertie and we really have a really good relationship with him and um, have have had so much fun with him. And I feel like if we'd have had another one straight away, maybe that bond wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be as good. Um, and I don't like everything happens for a reason because it doesn't. It so stuff bad. happens all the time. But sometimes that's what I have to tell myself, that it worked out that way because that was how it was meant to be and I think there are there are positives in every kind of you know in, in that that what you're talking about obviously scenario and there are you know if you if you'd had babies close together then perhaps they would be good friends for, from an earlier age you know lots of children who have a big age gap are great friends when they get older but not so much when they're when they're little but as you say you know there are there are positives for every different family situation aren't there yeah I think just because things don't work out as you planned it doesn't mean that they won't work out yeah you know whether that mean you have the number of babies that you've always dreamed of have less have big age gaps or have no children at all it will work out life will still be good yeah you just work with it don't you Mm. Yeah. yeah Definitely. I know that's it feels like that, you know, that's easy to say because you've got you've got two kids, but I think there's everyone there is a happy ending for everyone or whatever it may be. And if will Jessica Hepburn's podcast episode come out yet when this one comes out? Which one's first? No, it's coming up. Oh, okay. In so if you're listening to that and you think that's easy for you to say, Laura, you've got kids. Listen to our podcast with Jessica Hepburn in a few weeks. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. She's child, childless, not by choice. And um, she talks about how to gain fulfillment from life when she's living the dream. Pardon? She's living the dream. She's living the dream. dream. She's so happy. She's so fulfilled. She hasn't been able to have children. And um, yeah, she was just a really inspirational person to talk to. So it's well worth listening when that one comes out. Well, Ebony, thank you so, so much. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Thanks for having me. It's been really lovely.
yeah because I remember like especially during COVID I used to go for long walks and listen to a podcast each day and it just does really make you feel like you're not on your own oh good well we're so pleased that that you found us when you did and uh, thank you for sharing your story I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people um and fucking brilliant good work on your resilience and your ability to to be able to to carry on I, I really admire you for that I think you're incredible um yeah and keep in touch as well let us know how you're getting on take care both of you all right take care everybody bye Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.